0: Uh, we're, at, we're finishing a series, <laughs> isn't that a great Sunday to come to, uh, called The Wonder Life. And uh, our series are, every Sunday, it's kind of like chapters in a book, and each chapter builds on another. And so if you've missed a week, man, don't worry, you can catch our podcast on our website. But man, we're just glad that you're with us today. We're, we're going through this, this thing based upon a, a workbook or curriculum called Wonder Life, uh, which is a not-so-perfect guide to who we are and why we're here. Those are the two questions we're exploring who am I and why am I here? And, and this is just, uh, it's, it's not the answers. It's, it's really just kind of helping put pieces together. And so as a church, we meet in small groups. We call them connect groups throughout the, the region. And we meet different times of the day, different places, different uh, times of the week. And, and everybody's going through this same workbook as we're trying to put the pieces together. Let me tell you what this is not. This is not some existential self-help hyperbole, and, nor is this like every answer you need for life, that's ridiculous. This is merely a journey to help put some of the pieces together, like a puzzle. You know, Sometimes you get down, get to a, a thousand-piece puzzle, and you get towards the end, you realize some of the pieces are missing, and life feels like that sometimes. And so this is help putting those together. And then sometimes there's some confusing portions of the puzzle, and, and, and this is just kind of helping us walk through that. And it's really centered around four life marks. And a life mark are, are these kind of principles or components that will help us in the journey of discovering why God has created me and what I'm here to accomplish. And uh, today we're on the last and final life mark. But we started with life mark number one, which is just simply, I believe my story matters. And look at me in the eyes. You just, some of you need to know that your story, the one you're living right now, it truly does matter. And God has some amazing things planned for you. I've, I've been talking about this the last few weeks. I play on a basketball team right now, and we're really bad. Pray for us. Uh, we've lost every game horribly, but, you know, we're having a good time. Uh, some of us are. Some of us are not. But uh, there's a guy on our team. His name is Jim, and he's like six foot thirty. Like, he's just tall, like Goliath tall. And uh, when we play basketball with him, for this short, fat, white guy, I'm, like, trying to jump and get the ball, and he just holds it up. It's kind of disappointing, right? So he has an unfair advantage in basketball, doesn't he? His height. Even if he's not good, it doesn't matter. His height is an unfair advantage when it comes to basketball. And hey, listen, each of us in this room, regardless of the season, and even if you don't believe in this Christianity thing, you have permission not to believe, that's okay. But regardless of how you walked in here, you were dealt a deck of cards. Life dealt you a deck of cards. And sometimes it deals some cards that we don't want. Sometimes we put some cards in that deck that we look back and we wish, man, I wish I could take that out. But regardless, you and I have a deck of cards and you need to know that even though it might feel at times like the deck, the, the hand that you have been dealt is a disqualifier, it's actually your unfair advantage in life. There's something about your story that is unique to only you that can impact people in a way that only you can. So we believe your story matters. Life mark number two is I'm unashamed about what I love and care about. That's just identifying the fact that there's passions inside of us and they're created there. That they, God gave those to us before we were even born just knowing, hey, this, this person is going to live at the, on the earth at this time and I'm going to give them these passions and they're going to make a difference with those passions. It's not just by accident. Life mark number three was last week, and we talked about how I'm honest about my obstacles and opportunities, recognizing that even though I love basketball, I'm passionate about basketball, I'm never going to be a point guard for the Golden State Warriors. But I can encourage my teammates on Tuesday nights at the Laguna Niguel YMCA. We can have fun in the journey while I'm playing basketball and build great relationships with some great guys. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. So there's some real obstacles. Even if I love and believe I was created for the NBA, I'm not. But I also need to be honest about opportunities. A lot of times we overlook the things that God has placed in our hand today, waiting for something great in the future. Today I want to talk about life mark number four. and I'm just going to be transparent. This has been the most challenging for me. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm really doing everything I can to pursue God's purpose for my life. But... Life mark number four is I'm fully present in my life. Right here, right now. I'm living life right here, right now to the fullest. There's some pages, I'm a week ahead of you guys as I'm preparing it. And there's some pages I've yet to tackle in this thing. just because they're challenging and I just I got to think through this process. But I believe God wants us to live a great life today. The greatest days of your life are yet to come. They're ahead of you and it starts by living Right here, right now. I love what Ephesians chapter 5 says. It's just a real simple scripture. It says, Therefore, he says, Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. Be awake to what God wants to do. I love how it says, And arise from the dead. Have you ever felt dead on the inside? Or like a dream died? Or a relationship died? Or hope died? Or faith died? If so, then man, this is for you too. Arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine, or make the day dawn upon you, and give you light. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we thank you that you're in this place, and Lord, what an amazing time already in the first few moments of this service to experience just you in a neat and unique way, and kind of lean in a little bit closer. So God, we just open our hearts and our ears to hear and receive what you want to say to us today, and And God, we just thank you. Uh, We now know it says starry-eyed instead of sorrier, because that helps unlock so much. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. (laughs) That just means I agree. Seriously, starry-eyed just blew my mind in the tech huddle. Nicole told me, I was like, what? It makes so much sense now. So I I want to jump into this life mark for you today, but I just want to ask a couple questions before we do that. Um, how many of you actually just absolutely love to sleep? Would you just raise your hand for me? My hand is down. I I think sleep, how many of you are like me and you think sleep is overrated? Okay, cool. So there's no judgment. Either way, it's great. God created us to sleep. So don't feel like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have raised my hand. It's okay. And the introverts didn't raise your hand anyway, so you're fine too. But how many of you, just a show of hands, how many of you need at least nine hours of sleep in order to function and not kill people? Okay, all right, good. Thank you for your honesty. How many of you are okay with seven and a half? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are a mutant like me in six is a great number. Yeah, that's my people right there. Like, there's just, I, I can stay up late and get up early. It's cool. It's no big deal. But my least favorite thing in the world, regardless of how many hours of sleep I get, is this right here. Okay, oh, wait, I lost the audio. Let's see if I can do this. Does that just create animosity and anxiety in your life right now? Should we just let it go? Should we just keep it? No, it's horrible, isn't it? That sound, the alarm clock, I've even tried pretty alarm clock sounds, but they just don't do the same trick, do they? In fact, alarm clocks were created to kind of frustrate you, to kind of rouse you from your sleep until, I think it was 1907, and in 1907, uh, a guy named Charles Troutman, do you know what he created? The snooze bar. Can I get an amen? Amen. Like, that alarm goes off, and there's nothing like this. You're like, just like, boom, and you hit it, right? And it just, eight and a half to ten minutes. Of, I don't know if you, if you, how many of you use an Apple iPhone to, for an alarm clock? You notice it's not ten minutes anymore? It's like nine now. It's like Apple's got a conspiracy. They're probably like... Transmitting, buy more phones into our brains. Who knows? But just reach over, tap that snooze bar, get, or whatever, the button, and just get a few more minutes of amazing sleep. I don't, it's too cold out there. The blank, unless you're in my condo right now, I have no AC, so it's really hot, but you're just perfectly cocooned in your perfect bed, and you're like, I don't want to get up. I am good to go. Anybody out there just love the snooze bar? Okay, just a show of hands, don't lie to me. How many of you actually plan. 20 minutes to an hour ahead of time, so you can hit snooze a couple times. times. Oh my gosh, it's so true. Too many people. But here's the challenging part. I actually believe many of us are hitting snooze in our lives. There's things that we need to be up and awake to. We need to make changes in our life. that we need to adjust. And we just keep reaching over and hitting snooze. Things that we should have dealt with or addressed weeks ago. Months ago, years ago, and we just keep hitting snooze. We just keep hitting snooze. Uh, Mike Foster in this book actually talks about the snooze button and the alarm clock, and he writes this thing that was really painfully true, and I I just want to read it to you today. It's on page 192. He says this, God tries to wake us, but we want to stay asleep because it's cold out there. It's demanding and disappointing. Life is risky and it hurts sometimes. In a word, it's uncertain. We prefer the guarantee that doing nothing brings. Listen to this. Did you know that uncertainty is just about the most avoided human emotion there is? People hate uncertainty. It can mean embarrassment, rejection, and failure. So our hearts often prefer the predictable pain to uncertain gain. And I think we just kind of go through life saying, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. That's why that scripture says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. We just keep saying, maybe next week, maybe next month, I'll start doing, living, thinking, changing the things that I need to change. And that's why this life mark is so powerful that I am fully present right here, right now in my life. I love the passage. We read this in the first week. It's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse four. It says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Farmers who wait for perfect weather Never plant. Now, I know many of you are not in agriculture. You probably don't own farms. But I think you can identify and relate this to your life as I can to mine. That there are so many of us just waiting for the perfect scenario, the perfect opportunity, the perfect thing. And then, well, when I get everything in order, then I'll start pursuing the dreams, when I get everything in order, then I'll start making the adjustments. Many people believe that before I can walk into a church, I need to deal with some of the things from my past, and, and I don't believe that could be any further from the truth. That God actually has something great for us right here, right now. And so as a result, we get caught up into two different categories. And I want to talk about these for a moment. But here's my challenge to you. I want you to not worry or think about the person to your right or your left or the person who isn't here today but should be listening to this message. But I just want to challenge all of us in this room for the next 30 seconds, maybe 20 minutes, to just say, okay, wait, if I was to fit into one of these two categories, which would it be? Because I believe these two different categories often, in a general term, often prohibit us from living this present life. And one of those categories is what I like to call, or what we read in the book, hyperpast. And this is just the idea of either being a victim or a romantic. So just like all about the past. And a victim, this is what a victim mentality says. And I'm held hostage by my past and defined by my hurt. And I love the word picture of held hostage, and in my mind, instantly, I think of someone maybe tied to a chair with a blindfold on and a a terrorist there in the room with an AK-47 and a mask holding an individual hostage, but the only difference between that scenario and being a victim in what we're talking about today is that there's no external circumstance holding me hostage. It's all internal. Now look at me. Listen, I'm not diminishing the fact that you might have walked through something so painful and tragic, that somebody may have done something to you. I'm not diminishing that. Nor am I saying that that's something easy, just get over it. What I am saying is that you don't have to be bound by your past. Does that make sense? Listen, if your past is still impacting your present, then it's not your past anymore, it's right now. And so many of us are just held hostage by this. We allow the hurts of our past to define who we are it was interesting in the very beginning season of our church, we had an individual on our team and and we just kind of got to this point where that that individual just was no longer present, was no longer here, just kind of disappeared, still lived in the region but didn't answer phone calls and texts and wouldn't be a part and it was just this very strange dynamic and finally, Megan and I had a chance to sit down and talk with this individual and Okay, what did somebody offend you? Did, I, I'm offensive sometimes. I don't mean to be, but I just am. I don't, I just, it's not my intention. But did I say something and nothing had taken place? So we dug a little deeper and found out that throughout the course of this individual's life, every single relationship had a burnt bridge. Every single relationship. And there came a, a place and a time in this individual's relationship where they were just expecting for you to let them down just like somebody else had in their past. So they put up a wall and kept you at a distance because I don't want you to hurt me again because I've been through that. And guess what happens when you keep people at a distance? They stay at a distance. And the challenge is in the process, we actually sabotage our present because we're so concerned that our future is going to be exactly as it was in our past. you track tracking with me today. So our past, we become victims to it. And here's the thing. Nobody has control over how you dictate or allow your past to influence you except for you. Nobody but you. And some of us are just trapped there paralyzed by our past. And then there's some of us who are the romantics and that is that we really feel that our greatest days are behind us. Like Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. See the mountains off the football over the mountains. Right? You're still dusting off your Letterman jacket from nineteen ninety four or 86, or 72. Do I need to keep going? Like, there's just something that, man, you're just always talking about that time when you were in college, and that time when you were hanging out with someone, and your buddies that were around you, and things were so good, and let me recreate and conjure up something, because I don't know that we can ever get to a place like that again, because it was so awesome, so powerful. Sometimes people have challenges when they move to new regions, because I want to find a great church, but I was in this church, and it was so great, and now the components of that aren't here, and I don't know what to, do. And I'm just waiting to recreate that church or recreate that relationship. And I'm stuck, trapped, paralyzed by this great season that I once had. And now I'm just trying to relive and recreate old dreams. And here's my challenge to you. When the past feels overwhelming, the future seems unattainable and we become paralyzed from living right now. That's why we sing the song this morning that many of you didn't hear because it was the first song. This is living now. That was a little dig. I apologize. Our services start at 9 and 45, Just to let y'all know, this is living now is the name of the song. And it's just really celebrating the fact that, man, God wants to do something great in our life, not just tomorrow, but today. Today. So another category you, you might fit into or we might fit into is what we would call hyper-future. And, and there, this is two different groups of people. We've got planners and afterlifers. So planners are the people who miss out on today because of their focus on a giant nest egg in the future. Once I get, life is on hold until I get to retirement. Now, listen, some of you are frustrated at me. The scripture is very clear. The Bible is clear that we need to plan and take care of the generations to come. But we don't need to stop living now and not impact the people and love the people that are here just so we can get to that point in the future. Because the truth is, we don't know what the future has to hold. Are you all tracking with me today? Some people are just super planners. That's all they can see. Retirement, retirement, retirement. And there's amazing things happening right here, right now. Then there's another category, and we see this more in the church than anything else, but sometimes in other places, and that is at what we'll call afterlifers. These are hyper-religious people who have only one interest, that's to get to heaven. It's all about heaven, heaven, heaven. Heaven is great. Listen, I'm not trying to diminish that, and here's the truth. We're headed at life speed towards eternity, and we want to make sure that people can experience the fullness of who God is, but we will miss out on opportunities right here before us if all we're doing is focused on tomorrow are y'all tracking me today so listen don't check out between now and the time you get to heaven let's live life right now there's people around us who need you yeah, yeah. you not me you and me and you <laughs> starry-eyed so good my mind still blown <laughs> there's a really crazy story in scripture it's found in exodus and i'll i'll uh, i'll kind of unpack that for you just a minute, and, And here's what's interesting about it. We we find this story where uh, the Hebrews are in captivity. Many of you might know this story. They're, They're in captivity. They're actually slave labor for the Pharaoh in Egypt, okay? And there's millions of these Hebrews that are living there under like legitimate captivity. And these are God's people, and they've been praying out, God, would you set us free? And many of you have seen Prince of Egypt or gods and kings and so maybe that's a, a reference for you. many of you have read your bible and that's the reference for you and and so listen they're like god god would you set us free was 400 years of slavery and god says yeah i'm sending my dude moses moses go to the pharaoh and tell him to let my people go well the challenge is moses has no leverage nothing they have no money they have no no like battle-clad warriors that are ready to take over and storm egypt they have nothing so god kind of Ups the ante for the Hebrews and brings these plagues. You've probably heard about the ten plagues. The first one is the the river that turns into blood. The river Nile turns into blood. And then there's the flies and there's locusts and then there's darkness. And there's all kinds of things happening. And then finally they get to the plague of frogs. I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Gods and Kings. I think that's what it's called Man, it's, it, this depicts this plague in the best likeness I've ever seen. And I I'm not saying that's a biblical reference to use. I'm just saying the movie talks about it and it shows frogs everywhere. Like millions all over. Like you walk and you're smushing frogs. You're laying down and they're coming out from underneath your pillows, right? That kind of nastiness, right? There. You're in the restroom, they're everywhere. And it was this plague that really finally got to Pharaoh. Like of all of them, this was the first one he's like, we got to end this now. So he brings in Moses, and look at what we find in Exodus chapter 8. It says this, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and then I will let you go offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now look at this, verse 9. Moses said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, I leave you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people, That you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Now listen, verse 10, Pharaoh says, tomorrow, Moses replied, it will be as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials and your people. They will remain only in the Nile. Now, can I just, just pause for a second? I don't know about you, but if I had an opportunity, I would actually want to talk to Pharaoh, and I just want to ask him one question. Pharaoh, you, you've been dealing with all these plagues, and you come to Moses, and you ask him to pray that God will remove them, and Moses says, pick the time, and I'll pray, and it will be done. You could choose right now. Pray right now. Right now, Moses, pray. like you want me to clear a space, get on your knees? How do we do this thing? Pray right now. And what did, Mo, what did Pharaoh say? Tomorrow. Pharaoh said tomorrow. He said, you know what? I'm going to wait till tomorrow to fix what I'm dealing with right now. Now, it doesn't actually tell us why he said that. Maybe he thought, you know what? I can handle this for another night. Maybe he thought, I don't want to give up my free slave labor." Maybe he thought, if I just sit on this and do nothing, it will disappear. That was my dad's strategy with car problems. (laughs) When it's clanking and making noise, if you just ignore it long enough, it goes away. And needless to say, I think my dad blew up like five cars in his life, right? And we laugh. We laugh at that scenario. We read a story about Pharaoh, and it seems so distant, like, what an idiot to choose a frog-saturated life, right? Yeah. He could have said, "Right now, pray and get rid. Of, do this right now in this very present moment." And yet, so many of us are living a frog-saturated life. We've known the things that we should change can change need to change, but we're just doing nothing. Do you know what procrastination is? It's failing to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. And I think so many of us, listen, I'm just going to be honest. You can go to a connect group and have a great time and underline passages or stories or exercises and highlight and get pencils and color pencils and do the adult coloring section and the lion's face and the owl and if you don't know what I'm talking about you missing out and so you can do all this and memorize the life marks that we're talking to and you can be a greeter at the front door you can be on the worship team or the senior pastor of one of the greatest churches in America i'm not talking about me i'm talking about other people you can be all all of these things and still not be present in this very life. Wow, so good. We're great at going through the motions. For some of us, it's become a spiritual gifting to hit the snooze button again. Wow. To choose a frog-saturated life. I know I need to change it. I actually want to change it. But I'm just not getting around to it because you know what? I've learned to tolerate the life that I'm living now. Wow. That's the isn't that an interesting term? Like, think about that. I've learned to tolerate the life that I'm living now. I mean, think about how many people are going through life with a dream that feels just out of reach, with a passion on the inside. And listen, I I feel like if we were able to sit down, if I could sit down with you one on one. one over coffee, and just ask, is there something in you that hasn't become a reality yet? I feel like most, if we were honest, we would say no. I mean, yeah, yeah sorry, yes. Yeah. There's something in me that just hasn't become a reality yet. And I, the question is, why not? Why, why not? Why not? I think some of us are literally paralyzed by this idea of someday. Someday, I'll get around to dealing with my past. Until then, I'm okay with having fragmented relationships with everyone I come in contact with because I don't know how to be a whole individual because something that happened then is affecting me completely. And instead of walking through and dealing with it, I'll just live with it. And I hit snooze. And I've taught myself to tolerate fragmented, less than amazing relationships. You know, I, I desperately feel and believe that God wants to do something unique through me, but I just, I'm not ready yet. It's like when I talk to a young couple and I'm like, hey, you guys gonna have kids? Yeah, we're just not ready. I'm like, well, if that's the case, you ain't never going to be ready. Ever, ever, ever. Right? It just doesn't happen. And so like, we just are waiting for this perfect storm, this perfect scenario. And as that happens, life passes us by. Yeah. And it blows my mind like starry eyed. Yeah. <laughs> we could go through a book, hear a sermon. Gosh, I've been in church. My whole life. In fact, my, my mother-in-law is here. She was my children's pastor in fourth grade. And I've, my life is steeped in church and I've still missed this thing. And I just wonder, for you today, what is it that keeps you hitting that snooze button and choosing a frog-saturated life? I just don't, I don't want us to walk through Life, living a mediocre life. I can write that curriculum really well. <laughs> a boring life. The same as yesterday life. Filled with shame life. Filled with regret life. Filled with frustration life. And guys, there's nobody that can prevent you from living the life God has for you except you. And people may have tried. I know for a fact the Bible says that the enemy is after our life, like a roaring lion trying to destroy us. He is trying to throw in new cards into the deck of your life that just sidetrack you and sabotage you and blow you up. But we get to choose how those things affect us. So what's the someday in your life? Someday I'll kick that habit. I've been dealing with it for weeks, months, years, decades. Someday. Been hiding it. Nobody knows. Someday I'll choose to forgive. Holding on to that hurt and offense and I heard somebody say it once so powerfully that choosing not to forgive is like swallowing poison and waiting for someone else to die and just corroding on the inside and I think God is saying what if you started today it's not going to be easy you're right it's not but you can do that one step at a time that's why Jesus said hey I must go that the Holy Spirit can come why so he can walk with you through life God is not some mythical God that's up in a a heaven just waiting for you to make a mistake and then burn you with the proverbial magnifying glass. No, he actually believes in you. Crazy. Even if your spouse doesn't. And guess what? I believe in you too, most of you. But are you present in this life? I love uh, what Teddy Roosevelt said. I'm jumping all over the place on my notes today. So said, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing is nothing. I just wonder, what is the dream for you? There's some exercises in this book that are just really pretty potent. One is called My Comfort Zones. And I don't remember, I think page 212. And Here's the challenge. Organize the dreams, the passions in your heart. And, and fit them into one of these categories. Look at these. This first one might be easy. I'm willing to give it a try zone. Maybe this for you is just ask for help, to recognize that you are awesome, but not as awesome as you could be with somebody else. Maybe what, What's the next one? The I'm kind of scared zone. Maybe that's for some of you. You're like, I just want to get married, but you haven't talked to a single guy in like 40 years. <laughs> well, <laughs> that might be... The <laughs> I'm kind of scared, zone. And if you're a single dude, stop being a pansy and go talk to her. Oh, somebody! Now we get amens. Now we get amens. Uh oh, must be some single ladies. All my single. Okay, what's the what's the totally terrifying zone? And then the no stinking way zone. I I've, this one right here. We when we planted this church, we moved to Southern California. Didn't know anybody. One couple that lived 30 minutes away. This isn't terrifying for real. But you're here as a result. I wonder whose life is on the other side of your totally terrifying zone. And you're thinking, there's no way. We'll just start here. We should be present. Don't don't make it convoluted and overcomplicated because of the vastness of it. Just start. Don't do nothing. And that's totally grammatically correct. I love this this other slide. I think it's called Next Step, and it's in the book as well. What are your next right steps to accomplishing your goal? So you take that first one and, and put it here. So for some of you, it might be to forgive. And maybe the first step is just to take this afternoon and say, God, I need the strength to forgive. And then fill in the next bubble. Maybe that's to shoot a text or a phone call to somebody. And then maybe this one is to forgive yourself some of us are just holding on to that. We kind of live in this condemnation bubble that we have created because it's not from God. Condemnation says you made a mistake, it's who you are, and you'll always be that. But God says, hey, you made mistakes, but I've got greater future for you. Let me help you get there. What's your next step? I know it sounds so practical, but man... There are no excuses. Most of you know the right things to do. And if you don't, and you go to the movement church, you know at least two people that you could talk to today and say, can you help me? Most of us, it's not because we don't know what to do. And for most, I actually don't believe that we're just blatantly saying, I don't care, I'm not pursuing. I just think we just say someday. We hit snooze and choose a frog-saturated life my challenge to not just to you but to all of us today is to be present in this life right here right now be present in this life what have you been saying someday to why don't you start today maybe it's just to fill out the book And if you need a book let me know what's the saying you've been saying someday to how many of you in this room would say, you know what, I can identify there's some things I haven't been in the present with. I've been hitting the snooze button and I know I need to take a step. How many would you just raise your hand and be honest and say that? Hands all over the room. Isn't it funny that some of us need to wait to see other people raise their hand before we do? And I'm not saying that to point anything out, but to say that's the culture we live in. That is so challenging for me to identify the fact that I am not perfect until I get around other people who are also not perfect. Can I just say, if that's you, welcome home. That's what we're here for. But don't isolate yourself and do nothing. Be present right here, right now. Can I just pray for us, for all of those that raised our hand and maybe for those of us that didn't, but would just feel that way? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I, I, I'm being honest. I'm, I'm raising my hand that there are some things that I've been hitting the snooze button to. There are things that I've been waiting on and, and saying someday and when things are perfect. And so God, I feel like there's many of us in this room that feel that same way. But at the same exact moment, we feel you leaning in and saying, it doesn't have to be that way that we can be present in this life and and nobody can hold us hostage. So for those of us that have been allowing our past or our future to paralyze us from living now, we just say that collectively we're done hitting the snooze button. God, we just want to experience a full life, not tomorrow, but today. So we thank you for that now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One other quote I want to read to you from the book, Mike Foster said this. I think sometimes we overlook what's happening now because we're waiting for something great to take place. Like, have you all ever seen the movie The Incredibles? I don't know if you haven't, it's okay. You, You need to find Jesus and watch that movie. Like, when that moment, that season when the main character, I forget his name, is aggravated with his life, He comes home and he slams the door and he bends the door and there's a little kid on a tricycle and then the next day he comes home and there's a little kid just waiting. He's like, what are you looking at? I don't know, something amazing, I guess. (laughs) I think sometimes we're like that little boy. And there's amazing things happening right here in our life. The interaction with the people that are around us in our job, in our home. The life that you've been given to live today. And Mike Foster says this in the book, our lives are created in the small moments and choices of today. A big God-sized life consists of a lot of little acts. Greatness is often overlooked because it's too tiny to see today. Maybe we should start looking for the things that seem insignificant and find significance in them. I want to talk to some of you in this room who may be wavering in your faith. Or maybe you're not really sure where you stand. And, and maybe, like, like I said earlier, when you walked in today, it was challenging because you think, I don't know if I can go to a church. In fact, I, I feel separated from God. I try to pray. I see people that are in this whole religion thing, and it just never seems to work for me because I feel there's a gap. Well, the Bible actually talks about this gap. It's called a sin gap, and it actually separates us from God. But there's also this radical solution, and that's Jesus. You see, there's a consequence for sin that it's just real. But Jesus paid that consequence when he lived a sinless life and then died a sinner's death. And he paid the ransom or the payment for your sin and mine. And he closed this gap and paved a way to live a wonderful life. But there's a starting point. This doesn't just come through osmosis or church membership or your heritage and it, listen let me bring some freedom it doesn't come through getting rid of your past it happens by just saying yes to jesus if you've never started there life doesn't get perfect but it gets good if you haven't started there in a moment i'm going to pray a prayer and you don't have to get out of your seat nobody has to know it can be between you and god but don't leave here today without beginning that journey I want to challenge you when I pray that prayer just in your own heart just repeat it after me make it real and hey look at me some of you have been running from God today's the day to come back why don't you pray this prayer with me today and let's start over brand new right here right now would you bow your heads and close your eyes nobody looking around nobody moving if you're here and you've never prayed this prayer or you want to pray it today for the first time in a long time just in your own heart would you repeat this after me to say God I know you're real I know you love me. The truth is, God, I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for giving us Jesus. Just make this statement your own. to say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you.